Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast. This is Alice Lauderdale, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, I have to ask, what's the most annoying sound for you personally? Most annoying sound has got to be uh, my dad snoring. I'm sorry, dad, but it's true. <laughs> Anyone snoring, really? But I, I have uh, this vision of going across country, and I think we were going on a college tour, and uh, my dad and I shared a hotel room, and he snored. He just snored so loudly. And I remember contemplating sleeping in the bathtub, although I never did. <laughs> and this was really before I got familiar with all the different kinds of um, earplugs out there. Yeah, I went what on. What about you? Um, well, I, I've, I've had to be around some snoring people before, such as like, uh, I think I went on like a, some sort of like youth trip in, in high school. I'm really tempted to ask if you're a snorer, but I will not. I do not think I am a snorer. Okay. If, if I am a snorer, then people that have slept near me have been just amazingly polite in my entire <laughs> life. It would be, really be a shocking revelation. Um, but, uh, but no, the, the noise, probably the noise that annoys me the most. Yeah. Is anything in a movie theater that's not the movie. Like, uh, and, and I'm actually really pick, like, this is why I never go to the theater because I'm just super picky about this. Like, if, if I have to hear somebody eat popcorn, I get kind of irritated. Even though people are like, <laughs> popcorn is, too, I have to, like, people who don't even like popcorn go to the movie theater and they feel like they have to eat popcorn. And I'm like, I'm trying to listen to a, like, you know, some heartfelt scene or it's like something really violent and disturbing and here's somebody like chomping down. Yes. Or it's nachos and uh, I, it's things like that. Much And then there's the whole, you know, anything else too, like cell phones, uh, chitter chatter. It just, uh, it gets to me. I have to confess, uh, when you first asked me, when we were talking about this podcast, what the most annoying sound in the world was, was um, I was thinking about the movie Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so moving on to noise pollution. Yeah, we're, basically we're talking about noise pollution. And a lot of noise pollution, at least as far as it concerns humans, does come down to sounds that are annoying and disruptive. Um, and sounds I, that are loud. Yeah. Like, I, I keep thinking back to... Um, there's this awesome uh, segment on this uh, British uh, comedy show called uh, Look Around You, which okay. is a parody of of science um, shows for uh, young people. Um, so it, it's great if you get, and if you get a chance, you know, do like a Google or a YouTube search on the the name Leonard Hatred, and it'll take you right to this. Uh, this guy's like he comes on the show and he's like talking about how and this is a fictional character about how his parents snored when he was a child, and they lived by Heathrow Airport. Okay. Then they moved, though, because it was too noisy. But they moved into a house that was next to Gatwick Airport. Uh, then he left. He got married. He moved to the countryside. And then they built uh, somebody built an abattoir directly across the, the street from the house. So he had to listen to the sounds of cattle being slaughtered all the time. And uh, to top that off, his wife and the sister-in-law that lived there uh, with him uh, suffered from a condition that caused uh, them to scream uncontrollably. <laughs> so he developed this uh, spray called Silence with a P. And uh, if he would spray it onto his ears, and it, he admitted that it contained, quote, liquid skin. So he'd spray it on, and it would just, like, cause skin to temporarily grow over his ears so he couldn't hear anything. So he just had a solid ear structure. Yeah, just a solid, like, fleshy knob for an ear. Yeah, no nifty ear canal, all that <laughs> stuff gone. It's pretty gross. Yeah, pretty gross, Mr. Hatred. So, uh, so yeah, let's talk about um, about noises and how how these different noises and different levels of noise affect human health. Uh, let's take it down a notch, yeah, shall let, we? Yeah, let's break it down to uh, decibels. All right. So near total silence, you're going to have zero decibels going on. Yeah. Here's an example. Got it? All right. <laughs> Next. 
<laughs> well, we're assuming, I mean, we're assuming that uh, listeners are listening to us yeah, that's in right. silence. Yeah. Well, I assume that. I demand it, actually. <laughs> They're I mean, going it, into if you don't have time to like listen to us in like a closed environment, <laughs> then come on. What are you in your car? Pull over. What are you doing? Now we have a whisper. <laughs> so give us a whisper. I don't think I've ever heard you whisper. Give us a whisper. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. That, yeah. that would be kind of a whisper. Yeah. Right. So running roughly around uh, 15 decibels, and then we get into normal conversation. Right. Like we're having now. And that's uh, what... Although six... sometimes we get excited, so it escalates a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it escalates. But like just normal conversation, that'll be 60 decibels. Okay. Vacuum cleaner. Yeah, that's going to be... What do you think your robotic vacuum cleaner does? Uh, probably around 70 decibels. Is it loud? I would think it might be a little... It might make it a little quieter, but the Roomba tends... I don't know. It's still... You can't sleep with it running. You know, it still sounds like a vacuum cleaner. Doubtless there is somebody who does sleep with their vacuum cleaner running. Maybe probably. like as a time saver. Well, I mean, I guess a Roomba well, the, by nature is yeah, a time saver. Yeah, you don't saver, have to so. supervise it. And actually, I'd be a little you know, hesitant to let that thing have free run of the house. Afraid while of losing an appendage. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. So your average passenger car going 65 miles per hour for around 25 feet. That's going to be about 77 decibels. Yep. Somebody honks the horn. You got 110 decibels. All right. So we're ratcheting up the levels. Oh, now we're heading to a rock concert. What do we got now? 120 decibels. Fire off a gun or light a firecracker. 140 decibels. And if you're, you know, within close proximity to a jet taking off, you're looking at 150 decibels and uh, a ruptured eardrum, most great. likely. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah, the, the basically breaks down to any sound uh, above 85 decibels can cause hearing loss. And the loss is related to both the power of the sound, um, the, the length of exposure, and, like, the proximity to it, you know? So it's like, you know, it's a difference between having your head next to a jackhammer, hearing a jackhammer, you know, across the street and having to work in like a, you know, a sandwich shop next to the jackhammer all day long. Right. Which is why, um, you know, agencies like OSHA regulate uh, noise exposure on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh. as an example of this, if you have to raise your voice to be heard, you're probably dealing with noise of about 85 decibels. Yeah. So, yeah, think back to the last time you were out at a, at a club or at a rock concert, et cetera. You, you, if you were having to shout to be heard, then, you know, you were in a pretty noisy environment. Yeah. And when you're talking about eight hours of um, about 90 decibels, then you're talking about ear damage. Yeah. And that 140 decibels, uh, like the uh, the gunshot yeah, or the firecracker? Were, yeah. You're not waiting eight hours at that point. At yeah. that point, it's immediate. Immediate damage and actual pain. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Like, did you ever see um, Copland? I, I don't think I did see that. That was like the, it was the movie where Sylvester Stallone, oh, like, Sylvester. Put on, yeah, he played like a cop and he like put on weight for it and all. And like he has like hearing damage in one ear and like the villain of the piece, who I think is Harvey Keitel, like they, they're, they rough him up at one point and they like fire a gun next to his other ear to like, you know, cause they're bad guys. So, uh, yeah, so that would be a situation where you would have immediate hearing damage and, uh, pain in the ear. Yeah. And even when a, a noise isn't actively deafening you, it can have health effects like, of course, hearing loss. Mm-hmm. You know, it can disturb your sleep. You can have cardiovascular problems. Um, and it can even affect your social behavior, actually. Yeah, I actually ran across some really cool studies because it's something a lot of people looked into. Um, the- Especially with the advent of iPods. I should think that there's a whole lot of money pouring into research on hearing loss mm-hmm. and stuff like tinnitus. 
um, with the you know just ubiquitousness of of iPods. Well, yeah, and that actually, which is what in- you guys are probably listening to us on now, or many of you at least. So I'm hesitant to. I'm, I'm not you know knocking on iPods, but a lot of us just listen to them that are at levels that are way too loud. Yeah, and and part of it too is because it's like you'll be listening. You're on the train, right? So there's like a noisy train sound, but and then there's also some like annoying. Uh, you know, chatter or like, you know, or whatever else is going on in the train, you want to block that out. So you, you crank up the headphones a little. Right. And, uh, and yeah, so it, uh, it all sort of adds up. So escalation. talk to me about some of these studies. These oh, yeah. Have. So the uh, Department of um, Psychiatry at uh, the University of London, uh, conducted uh, an in-depth study in 2003 and they came to some interesting conclu- conclusions. Uh, they said the risk of developing mental or physical illness due to environmental noise is actually pretty small, you know. You're probably not going to be driven completely crazy. And this is, of course, ruling out, again, actual light damage to your hearing. But uh, they said that part of the problem is that the interaction between uh, people, noise, and ill health is a complex uh, relationship. Humans are, are not usually passive recipients of noise exposure, and they develop these coping strategies to reduce the impact, uh, or they just, you know, they move away from the noise. Have you heard about, um, Situations in which prisoners uh, are subject to constant noise uh, in a modification of torture, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that sounds horrible. Yeah, well, horrible. It's, it's like when they were trying to uh, get uh, Noriega okay. out, of, uh, out of his compound, remember, in uh, Panama? I don't remember this. And they were, like, pumping uh, rock music, you know? <laughs> oh, or actually, there uh, there was, like, a recent, uh, you know, document that, that came out talking about, uh, you know, uh, different music that was used as a... An instrument of interrogation, um, or, you know, torture, uh, on, uh, on, um, Guantanamo. And Gu- yeah, on Guantanamo, uh, uh, Bay, uh, inmates. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and is. like, and like some, uh, like, I think like Trent, some of Trent Reznor's music for Nine Inch Nails came up and he was like legitimately offended, you know, cause you create this art and, uh, and then somebody's gonna use your art to inflict, uh, you know, pain on somebody, psychological pain. So, uh, so yeah, the, one of the, the factors here is that people can cope with, with different levels of noise pollution and they can move away from it. Well, assuming they can move away from it, yeah. right? So there's an element of choice. Yeah. But then, uh, but, and then a lot of it comes down to how it affects your, um, your quality of life. All right. You know, you have, you know, again, it's like hearing, you, there's the hearing loss. Yeah. But it also disturbs your sleep. Uh, you know, if you have to listen to the jackhammer all night or, or, um, you know, if you have some sort of, you you know, you live next to an airport or something, um, not getting enough sleep, uh, can severely harm your, you know, ability to function during the day. No doubt. Uh, in children, chronic aircraft noise exposure, uh, has been found to impair reading comprehension and long-term memory. Really? Yeah. And may be associated with raised blood pressure. Um, from, you know, further research, uh, pending on that. This, and, uh, then there's a 2005 study from a team of Spanish re- researchers, and they found that in urban areas, households are willing to, uh, to pay approximately four euros per decibel per year for noise reduction. So that's kind of interesting to think in terms of this, like, you know, your ability to move away from it. It's kind of becomes a privilege. Right. Yeah. Or at least in some places. Depends on how, you know, an urban, your urban environment happens to work. And uh, in 2007, uh, the World Health Organization Noise Environmental Burden uh, on Disease Working Group published findings on the health-related effects of noise for Europeans. And okay. they concluded that about 2% of Europeans suffer severely uh, disturbed sleep and 15% suffer severe annoyance due to environmental noise. And that's defined as community noise emitted from uh, like road traffic, trains, uh, you know, aircraft flying over. Yeah, so... Um when I was younger, 
I, I lived in the city. Uh, I lived in a big city for a long time, about, almost a decade. I went uh-huh. to college and then uh, lived there for a couple of years after in the city. And it's weird to me because I am really sensitive to noise. I mean, if you were to come visit us in our Atlanta office, um, you know, even the editorial department, you can kind of hear a pin drop. A lot of the other departments around HowStuffWorks.com, you know, a little noisier, a little bit more rambunctious, especially when the developer guys were around and they mm-hmm. would do all sorts of crazy stuff. But editorial department tends to be a little quieter. A little you know, quieter. Yeah, people are. But anyway, point of the story is that it was just, it was just surprising to me. I would have thought that I would have gotten used to noise exposure living in an urban environment for you know a period of a couple of years. When the in-laws come in to visit, um, they are they uh, they always uh, comment on the sound of um, of airplanes flying overhead. Right from the airport in back of your house. Do you guys have an airport in back of your house? Well, no, but there's an airport you know in the area. Like we have the huge you know airport in the Atlanta area. And but yeah, it's not in the backyard, and I tend not to even think about it. But but then they they come and stay, and they're like, oh, I don't see how you, you deal with this because there's you know all the planes flying overhead, and and I have to actually think, stop and think, and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess there are. Planes flying overhead kind of constantly. But. Yeah, same here. We have a train that runs uh, through the middle of town, and I really don't notice it. And then, again, with, with the parents staying, they're like, oh, that train was so loud last night. Yeah. So, again, it comes down to, you know, you can grow accustomed to certain levels of, of noise or, or figure out how to cope with it. Right. And we're not the only uh, life forms that are affected by noise pollution. Of yeah. course, we've other a, animals are, too. We've been a little selfish so far in this podcast. Yeah, a little egocentric. So let's talk about some uh, animals and ways in which they deal with noise pollution. Okay. A lot of us have heard about stuff affecting whales and mm-hmm. um, all sorts of marine creatures. Although we don't really know a lot about how noise pollution affects fish. Huh. That's what. That's one interesting fact we found when we were researching yeah. this. But for whales, noise pollution can mean a couple of things as a way to cope. It can mean that they call louder. To be heard um, above the ruckus. Again, it's like you're at the rock concert and having to speak louder. They're having to do the same thing in the ocean to uh, communicate or use their uh, echolocation. Yeah, actually, uh, the blogger over at Discovery News, Jennifer Viegas, covered this um, in a July 2010 article. And the title was Whales Scream Over Noise Pollution. And that's sort of a disconcerting idea, whales screaming, that we're causing them to scream. Yeah, that's a great headline. Because screaming whales, that's like immediate outrage. Yeah, there. pretty much. And uh, so there's also research that um, North Atlantic right whales and other whale species are, are in fact, engaging in this behavior to be heard above stuff like commercial ships mm-hmm. and other man-made noises in the ocean. Uh, a lot of that is, is sonar or offshore drilling, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, we, we went into some of this in our um, our podcast about uh, beach drilling. whales. Oh, beach whales. That's yeah. right. Because that, that's one of the, the, the things they've been looking into, like Navy vessels um, interfering with their uh, their echolocation and driving them off course. Yeah, and it's particularly troublesome when the man-made noises are occurring in the same frequencies as the whales' calls, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's going to start affecting stuff, um, you know, whether it's migration or mating or just generally uh, whales communicating with each other. Yeah, it's like, you know, you get on an airplane, they ask you to turn off your uh, cell phone and what have you uh, during uh, uh, key parts of the flight so you don't interfere with anything. It's kind of like that. We're just not very considerate. Like when it comes to us going out in the ocean, we're the the jerk that uh, won't turn his cell phone off. <laughs> it's important to note that noise pollution can also come from natural sources, like earthquakes, for example. Yeah. 
So what's the deal with whales? I mean, is it easier to constantly shout or just go quiet? Well, I mean, we get tired of shouting, and whales, I imagine, do too. So shouting can be this huge energy expenditure, so sometimes they will wind up going quiet. And what does that mean? It means that we're never going to know what's being said in uh, whale calls or songs, like such as that of the the male humpbacks, right? They engage Mm -hmm. in these beautiful whale songs. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's like the, the dude with slight hearing loss that goes to a noisy restaurant and he can't really hear anybody, so he just doesn't say anything. So, you know, yeah, and miss out on the whole conversation. You could be getting with that guy. <laughs> right. And it's not just in the in the oceans, in a marine environment. It's also on land. I mean, like we were talking about before, you have aircraft and traffic noises doing a lot to contribute to a really noisy environment. Mm-hmm. And you think, OK, well, well, I'll just, you know, take it over to Yellowstone or I'll go to some national park. And, you know, I won't be affected by noise pollution. But again, just as we were talking about with light pollution, you can't really escape the noise there. Yeah. I uh, actually was in Yosemite uh, recently on vacation. How uh, excellent my wife for and you. I. Yeah. And uh, and it really does, like you, it, it's, it's interesting to go there and like you, you hear these stories about how the park used to be. Like they used to do this thing called the firefall where they like, like have burning embers <laughs> go over the side of this, uh, this cliff. Or then they would do stuff like, uh, like the park rangers would would feed uh, trash from the um, uh, leftovers from the restaurants directly to the bears. Oh, that sounds like you a know, great so idea. So that everybody could watch. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and like we're, we're laughing now and sort of, you know, outraged now, but they, uh, you know, they, they like to point out that, um, you know, this was considered okay then. Sure. And, uh, you know, like 30 years ago, this was, this was perfectly fine. 30 years from now, who knows that, you know, people will look back and say, I can't believe they let people drive cars into these places, the noisy vehicles, or they let them have a golf course, you know, um, yeah, you, so you go into even these, these pristine environments, um, you know, in places where, where nature is the, you know, the center attraction, but you still, you know, there's the sound of construction or the sound of, uh, you know, a truck uh, bringing, uh, you know, groceries up the mountain. So. so let's talk about a couple of the animals that are being affected by noise pollution, such as the great tits, Parsis Major. They're yeah. singing at, uh, at higher frequencies. Yeah. Uh, then you also have uh, female gray tree frogs, and those are exposed uh, to the sound of passing traffic. Uh, so it takes them takes them longer to locate and find males. Uh, European tree frogs, on the other hand, are just calling less overall. Mm-hmm. Um, then you also get the uh, the sound of um, overhead aircraft can disturb the behavior of harlequin ducks uh, as well as goats. Remind me again what a harlequin duck is. It's a duck that uh, is uh, frequently um, used as in- for entertainment purposes in the courts of Europe. That's just a variety of duck. Um, yeah. And then you have stuff like, of course, the greater sage grouse and uh, mule deer. They're steering mm-hmm. clear of noise producing oil and gas developments. And it can also affect the ability of a lot of animals like owls and bats to find and hunt their prey. Yeah. These guys depend on, on sound to, to, to find their food. So uh, they'll have the laboratory studies have shown that if they encounter areas where there's a lot of noise, they just start avoiding those areas. I mean, it, it, we're talking about reduced habitat, which can ultimately... Uh, put a species at a higher risk for extinction. Like the way I like to think about it is if you have an animal, a wild animal in its natural habitat, if you were to build a mini mall where its habitat is, then it cannot live there anymore. If, if a mini mall occupies that space. Yes. Likewise, if, if the, um, what is a mini mall? A mini mall. Like, I don't know, like a strip mall, right? Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, but, but, but likewise, even if like it was just an open space and you had a tremendous amount of noise, that space is occupied by a noise that it cannot cope with. So it's, that cuts off that whole area. It's as if you built a mini mall there. 
Well, and a lot of land in the U.S. and the continental U.S. is, in fact, um, really close to roads, which are a great source of noise. So uh, there was a stat that we found 83% of land uh, is within just one kilometer of a road. Yeah, at this d- distance, the sound of an average car is around 20 decibels. And the uh, at the same dif- distance, uh, trucks and motorcycles, 40 decibels. That's a lot of noise. Yeah. So what can we do? Well, a lot of it kind of breaks down to uh, make less noise. It's kind of... Be quiet, people. Yeah, it's kind of simple. The set, the thing is, our, our lives are pretty noisy. So you can't just say, like, stop driving vehicles or stop using roads. So uh, the, the better solution ends up being things like have quieter road surfaces, um, put up noise barriers like the walls you see, you know, along when the uh, whenever the interstate goes through a major city or something. Here's a good one. Appropriate signage in protected areas. But this also reminds me of the signs that you'll sometimes encounter in different neighborhoods about no honking your horn mm-hmm. or um, the, the laws they have about, uh, you know, you can't cruise this neighborhood, so you can mm-hmm. only go by it, you know, once in some set amount of time. And I assume there are also uh, laws regarding, like, how loud your radio can be and stuff like that. Yeah. Or even on the, on the subway. You know, you can't bring a boombox, although people do. And it's crazy <laughs> yeah. how loud people can make their cell phones on subways. Well, that's the thing that gets me. It's, like, not as much, like, if a dude were to bring a boombox on and listen to his music, at least he's full. Do they still make boomboxes? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, like, I would respect that a lot more than the guy who brings on a cell phone and is going to play his cell phone, like, play some track off his cell phone aloud. And you can't even under, like, it's just this tinny noise. You know, coming out. It's like, what are you, you're not even able to. You don't even hear anything on the subway anyway, because you're Mr. Anonymous with your sunglasses and your, your music or your podcast all turned up loud. So, but still, sometimes there'll be that one dude and you're like, what's going through your mind? Get some headphones for that thing. Like it's got a headphone jack on it and they're not that expensive. All right. So now we know one of Robert's pet peeves. Uh, so what else can we do? We can restrict motorized travel, like you guys are going to think, uh, mm-hmm. in protected areas, yeah. in addition to appropriate signage. And that would be like maybe you uh, you don't let people drive, uh, you know, along all the roads that go through a, a national park. And certainly, I, th- I think they've they've cut down on on travel through a lot of uh, a lot of the road. Like I think there was a time where it was like roads everywhere. Let's just drive. Yeah, certainly. Like 1950s in the United States, I mean, they were just building out the highway system everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. But I feel like some of the things that we've mentioned so far are really uh, addressing the symptoms and not the the cause of the problem, not the illness itself. So this next one is pretty interesting in that it actually tries to tackle aircraft. And it's called, maybe you guys have heard of this, the Silent Aircraft Initiative. So um, this is a Cambridge-MIT venture that was discussed a couple years back. Yeah, and they have this this awesome idea for the uh, a silent aircraft. Uh, the model that they're looking at particularly is uh, the SAX-40. That's the Silent Aircraft Experimental, uh, and uh, there, there have been other designs on it as well. And it's it's basically read because the thing is when, when you when people design an airplane, they really tend not to think about the noise. Even if you're dealing with like a stealth airplane or something, it's it's not the noise you're thinking of. Like noise is just it's going to be as loud as it's going to be. Uh, deal with it. You know, that's kind of the approach. So these guys have like redesigned the airplane thinking, uh, well, what can we do uh, from a design standpoint that cuts down on the noise? Yeah. And I think that we should take a second just to note that it's not going to be silent, right? Yes. Yeah. The when silent. Saying- whenever they refer to silent, they put it in quotations. Cause, mm, right. Yeah. So we're talking about an aircraft whose noise would probably be hopefully imperceptible um, if you're going outside the perimeter of your regular urban airport. Yeah. And it's also not uh, like I think the time frame they were looking at was maybe 2030. They'd have something. So so you guys are not going to be flying on this yeah. anytime soon. But the mere fact that people are working on it is great. 
I am curious about some of the engineering stuff that they have going on uh, in here to lower noise pollution. Yeah. Can we just and, check out some oh, of these certainly. for a sec? Uh, also, they're, uh, as a side, they're also looking at improved uh, fuel efficiency. That's, that's the Great. bonus here. But yeah, they're, uh, they're looking at installing the engines embedded within the fuselage. Uh, with intakes above the wings to shield uh, most of the engine noise from listeners on the ground. That's so I guess they're kind of redirecting the noise, it yeah. sounds like. Okay. Yeah, and then there's uh, they have this uh, novel uh, ultra-high uh, bypass uh, engine with a, quote, variable area exit nozzle. Okay, this just means that the engine can operate for low noise with low-speed exhaust jets and take off uh, and during climb, at takeoff and during cl- climb, and then uh, can be optimized for minimal uh, fuel burn uh, during cruise. So it's just, you know, gearing it down a little in terms of uh, how much noise it's putting out and how much fuel it's consuming yeah, fly. they've also rejiggered the um, engine exhaust ducts so that they can kind of absorb the sound, which I thought was pretty cool mm-hmm. as well. But again, this is uh, not going to be coming to an airport near you. Yeah, but but it's, for a while. It, yeah, but it is. It's just such a, a great idea that like maybe the the ultimate um, uh, take home from this is that like what can what can be applied to every other aspect of our lives, you know, sort of redesigning, rethinking in a way, like how it's like, a, you know, let's redesign the airplane so it makes less noise. Like, could you redesign the house or redesign our lives so it has less of an impact on the environment and the lives around us? But I think culturally speaking, noise has such an important part in our lives. Like even talking about, we were talking about uh, driving cars before, mm-hmm. right? And if you happen to drive a Prius, say, and they've come up with this invention to um, a noisemaker for your Prius, if you're not used to how silent your, your Prius drives. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I mean, it's interesting to me in the, that noise provides cues to us that we can't really live without, or we're not used to living without. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, like, this is another, not to just com- continually harp on public transportation, but I, like, think of, uh. There's nothing wrong with going on public yeah, transportation, but, mister. Well, like, when you go to the, um, the, the, the train stops here in town, the MARTA stops, and, uh, there's a lot of noise there, obviously, because you have a train moving through it. But then they also pipe in this, like, horrible, you know, music kind of noise that nobody's listening to. Like, I can't imagine anybody's I like, do. At the holidays, I totally listen to it. Yeah, but uh, when you take MARTA, do you? Yes, I do. Okay. Well. Especially in the morning when I'm too brain dead to do anything else. You know, and somebody's cheerily singing. Well, we're not talking about singing. I'm talking about the music that they're piping in. No, well, I, I can't think of its music or if it actually has voices, but well, yeah, I it, listen it, to okay. the holiday music. Okay. Well, maybe some people like it. <laughs> what I'm just saying, it's like, it's strictly speaking, is it necessary? You know, is right. it something we could scale back on and make the world a quieter place? Yeah. If you guys have ideas on how to make a uh, quieter planet, please send them to us. We're at sciencedef at howstuffworks.com. But before we wrap it up, let's hear from a listener. Yeah, I've got a cool uh, email here from Mark, and he writes, Just listen to your August 31st podcast in which you chatted about evolution and slugs at the end of the show. Uh, it made me think of the Ricky Gervais podcast uh, audiobook uh, as Carl Pinkington, Pink, uh, Pilkington? I think it's Pilkington, uh, has some interesting theories about evolution and absolutely hates slugs. Uh, and then he points out that there's a free promo um, of it that came out on like YouTube a few years back. But I actually listened to it, and uh, a lot of it is this guy just sort of not understanding evolution and Ricky Gervais trying to explain evolution, and then the guy talking about how he hates slugs, which I hate as well. But, uh, but Gervais made an interesting point about slugs. Uh, 
uh, that may had me that made me have to stop and rethink them because I, I tend to think that they're worthless and they're disgusting. But we already I, talked about why they weren't worthless. Well, he well he pointed out that um, that they're um, they're that they're perfect. Like they they've been around for so long, they're they're filling this this particular role in uh, in life itself. Like that's a perfect design. So you may be grossed out at it, but that slug is perfect. Same thing. You like you think snakes or spiders are gross? Well, you're looking yeah, at a perfect design. Yeah. yeah, sure. Basis of ecology. Gotta love them. Yeah, so thanks, Mark. I uh, appreciated checking out that link. Yeah, if you guys want to send us your thoughts on slugs or the noisy world we live in, again, we're at science stuff at howstuffworks.com. And over on Facebook and Twitter, we're kind of quiet, but but very active. So check us out on uh, Facebook, where we're Stuff from the Science Lab, or um, you can also go to Twitter, where we're Lab Stuff, and we'll try and keep you updated on cool stuff uh, that we're finding out about and stuff that we're podcasting about. So. Yes, that's all we got. Thanks for listening, guys. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage.